Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Family Wealth and Other Musings. This is our 16th episode already. Can you believe it? <laughs> I'm your host, Becky Easton. Thank you again so much for tuning in and listening. Today I want to talk a little about estate planning issues that um, LGBTQ plus couples and um, relationships face. And so again, with the quick disclaimer that unless we have an agreement saying so, I'm not your attorney, and this shouldn't be construed as any sort of legal, financial, tax, um, or otherwise advice, because it's not specific to your situation. Um, if you do have additional questions, um, I very much encourage you to reach out to me or get in touch with another personal family lawyer or family business lawyer in your state who can assist you. So whether you're married or in a committed partnership, estate planning is really about so much more than planning for death. It's really about planning for life. It's the way to ensure that your beloved will be protected and provided for in the event of your death or incapacity. And if you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, estate planning is even more critical. And although same-gender marriage is legally recognized in all 50 states for now, long-held prejudice at both the political and family level continues to create complications for both married and unmarried same-gender couples. For example, suppose you have family members who are opposed to your marriage. In that case, your estate plan may be more likely to be disrupted or even sabotaged by unsupportive relatives. This could mean that family members are more likely to contest your wishes, or it might result in custody battles over non-biological children in the event of the biological parent's death. Unsupportive family members may even try to block the ability of your partner to make medical decisions on your behalf should you become incapacitated by accident or illness. Even worse, your family members could try to kick your partner out of a shared home if you're in an accident or fall ill, or they may even block your partner from seeing you if you require hospitalization. Additionally, if you and your partner are unmarried, your partner would have no rights or protections should you become incapacitated or die without any sort of planning in place. And this leaves your partner completely vulnerable to several potentially dire risks. Given these issues, if you're in a committed relationship, you really should be aware of several unique considerations regarding your estate plan. While I recommend that you meet with a personal family lawyer to address your specific circumstances, here are two of the more pressing concerns to keep in mind. Number one, know that a will alone might not be enough. So suppose you're unmarried and die without any estate plan. In that case, your property will be shared with your surviving family members according to your state's laws through intestate succession. The state's laws would not protect your unmarried partner, so if you want your partner to receive any of your assets upon your death, you need to, at the very least, create a will. However, having an estate plan that consists solely of a will often doesn't really provide sufficient protection for your spouse or partner. We often recommend that same-gender couples, even those who are married, create both a will and a trust. Although a will is a foundational part of nearly every single estate plan, for a variety of reasons, having a will could leave your partner or spouse at risk. 
Most importantly, a will doesn't work in the event of your incapacity. You have to die for it to go into effect. And your incapacity could happen at any time before your death. Should you become incapacitated with only a will in place, your partner or spouse may not have access to much needed funds to pay bills, or they could even be kicked out of your home by a family member appointed as your guardian during your incapacity. Furthermore, upon your death, a will is required to go through the often long, costly, and potentially conflict-ridden court process known as probate. In contrast, assets that are properly titled in the name of your trust would pass directly to your partner or spouse upon your death without the need for probate or any sort of court intervention. If your relationship is not supported by one or both families, avoiding probate is especially important. If a family member doesn't support your relationship, they are far more likely to contest your will during probate. And if your will is successfully contested, this could prevent your surviving partner or spouse from receiving assets you left to them in your will. The process of contesting is extremely time-consuming, costly, and emotionally draining for your surviving partner or spouse. Typically, when an attorney drafts your will, it's not actually set up to protect your assets after they're passed to your partner or spouse from creditors or lawsuits. However, leaving your assets in a trust that your partner or spouse can control would ensure that those assets are protected from creditors future relationships, and or unexpected lawsuits. And second, incapacity planning is especially vital when it comes to LGBTQ plus families. And as I mentioned a minute ago, planning is not just about planning for your eventual death. It's also about planning for your potential incapacity due to illness or injury. Proactive estate planning allows you to name the person or people that you would want to make your healthcare, legal, and financial decisions for you if you're incapacitated and unable to make such decisions yourself through a medical power of attorney. If you haven't planned for incapacity, the choice is then left to the court to appoint the person or people to make these decisions on your behalf. If you're unmarried and the court appoints one of your relatives as your guardian, your family could leave your partner totally out of the medical decision-making process and even deny them the right to visit you in the hospital. And even if you are married, it's not guaranteed that your spouse would have the ultimate legal authority to make such decisions. Though the court typically gives spouses priority as guardians, this isn't always the case, especially if unsupported family members challenge the issue in court. To ensure that your partner or spouse has the ability to make these important decisions for you, you must grant them the legal authority to do so using a medical power of attorney and a durable financial power of attorney. A durable financial power of attorney gives your spouse the authority to manage your financial, legal, and business affairs, which includes paying your bills and taxes, running your business, selling your home, and also managing your banking and investment accounts. In addition to creating a will, trust, and powers of attorney, be sure to also create a living will so that your spouse will know exactly how you want your medical care managed in the event of your incapacity, particularly at the very end of your life. Finally, don't forget to provide your partner or spouse with HIPAA authorization within the medical power of attorney and perhaps even through a separate document so that they're going to have access to your medical records to make educated decisions about your care. 
A personal family lawyer near you will be able to support you in putting in place a robust estate plan that will ensure that your partner or spouse has maximum rights possible if you are ever struck by a debilitating accident or illness. And if you're in Arizona or Colorado and find that this is something you'd like to discuss further, you can hop on my calendar for a 15-minute call by calling my front desk at 480-999-4455 or by going directly to my calendar at bit.ly forward slash call Easton Law. That's bit.ly forward slash call Easton Law. And if you're not in Arizona or Colorado, you can find a personal family lawyer near you by going to personalfamilylawyer.com. Family Wealth and Other Musings is now available for download on almost all the platforms that are out there. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can find me. And if you felt so inclined to support the show by liking, following, subscribing, donating, leaving a review, or even just a comment, I would appreciate it because you're ultimately helping to boost the show, help more people find me, and help me find some more people. And also, if you ever have any ideas for an episode or something you'd like to hear me talk a little bit more about, I am all ears. Thanks again for listening in today, everyone. It's been lovely to chat with you again. This has been Family Wealth and Other Musings, and I'm your host, Becky Easton. Have a great day.